following contains descriptions of physical violence, sexual violence, and graphic descriptions of autopsies. Hi listeners, welcome back to episode 5 of TGIC Podcast. Today we're going to do a really interesting case, well in my opinion, it's about the Fort Worth Missing Trio. This is about a group of girls who went missing from a mall in the 70s in Texas. And I just think it's a really interesting unsolved case. My name's Jillian. And I'm Izzy. Okay, guys, so let's get into the background a little bit. So three girls, Rachel Trilka? Trilica? I, I think that's how you say it. I'm not really sure it's spelled really weird. It's spelled like T-R-L-I-C-A. We can just go with like Trilica. I can't even say let's it. Let's just honestly. call her Rachel. Rachel. Renee Wilson and Julie Ann Mosley went missing on December 23rd, 1774 at Seminary South Shopping Center in Fort Worth, Texas. So, I don't really have, like, a lot on the background of these girls, but I'm just gonna go over, like, what they look like, because I feel like that's kind of... Yeah, it is important. important. So, Rachel Flicka... (laughs) Oh my god, just call her Rachel. Rachel was 17 years old, and she was married to Tommy Flicka... For about six months before her disappearance. She was 17 and she was married for six months. That's really crazy. Like, that's just really weird, right? Yeah, like, I mean, it's just like That's so young. Like, she's got to be, like, a junior or senior in high school. Like, can you imagine knowing someone who's married right now? Like, that's weird. Yeah, that's just really weird. And her full name was Mary Rachel Chulka. (laughs) Oh my god. She was Caucasian, she had brown hair and green eyes. And Renee Wilson was 14 years old. She had a boyfriend named Terry who gave her a promise ring like, what, the same day or the day before? Yeah, it was the morning of, actually. And she was also Caucasian, she had light brown hair and brown eyes. And then finally, Julianne Mosley. She was 9 years old and she went shopping with, like, the other girls very last minute. Mm Mm-hmm. And she was Terry's younger sister, who was Renee's boyfriend. And she was also Caucasian, and she had sandy blonde hair and blue eyes. And I felt like it was important that we talked about this because, I don't know, like, it's just important to know yeah, that I they so. all looked, like, not similar, but, like, like you know how serial killers have an MO, like, a specific mm-hmm. type of person that they're looking for? I guess that's just, like, kind of interesting. Yeah, because, I mean, I guess they were all white girls, but they all did look slightly different. It wasn't, like, a... In this case, I feel like there's definitely no serial killer going after girls that looked different like this. Okay, so let's get into the timeline a little bit. Around late morning, like, no specific time was actually mentioned for this, but around, like, sometime before noon, but, like, morning, I guess, the girls leave to go to the mall. And so Rachel and Renee, the two older girls, had been close friends, like, family friends for a long time, and they were planning to go to the mall that day to, like, get some last-minute Christmas gifts. It was Christmas Eve Eve. So they were just, like, I guess, you know, getting stuff for their family and their friends. Mm-hmm. Julianne, who was the younger girl, she lived across the street from Renee's grandmother, where Renee was being, like, she was staying there that weekend, so Rachel was picking her up from there. And I think, so basically, the girls had invited Julianne's older sister, Janet, who was 11 at the time, mm-hmm. to go shopping with them, but she was, like, hanging out with a friend, so she didn't want to go, and... Julianne, like, I guess she was nine, she just wanted to, like, hang out with the older girls, 
she asked to go and, like, was, like, gonna, you know, replace her sister. But the older girls, you know, they didn't want to spend their afternoon, like, babysitting her. Exactly, So yeah. they tried to, like, kind of trick her out of coming with them, I guess, by saying, like, oh, you know, you have to get permission from your mom. And I guess their mom was, like, notorious for being strict or something. So they, like, thought she wasn't gonna ha- be able to come. And then she, like, convinced her mom to let her go. Oh, my God. And it's really unfortunate, actually, in the situation that like they went missing and like exactly like if she wouldn't have gone i know like imagine how guilty the mom probably and feels. also it's really weird there was like a couple people that were also supposed to go with them renee's boyfriend terry who's julianne's brother was supposed to go but he was going to be with a friend um rachel invited her older sister deborah to go with them but she decided not to go it's just weird how like the situation could have played out so different if they were like different people with them mm-hmm Anyway, so they left in Rachel's car, which was this 1972 Oldsmobile 98. It was brown. Oldsmobile? I don't know. That literally sounds like a fake car. It did kind of sound like a fake car, but, you know, I read it on the internet in, like, four places. (laughs) It sounds really fake, actually. It sounds like a cartoon car. Yeah, I don't know what kind of car that is. I don't know cars, though. Do you know what kind of car that is? Uh, no. I've never heard of an Oldsmobile car, and I, like, like cars. Yeah. I, I don't know. We're not familiar with the Oldsmobile. Anyway, so their curfew was set at 6 p.m., like, that gave them, like, a good chunk of time to be at the mall to get stuff, but Renee wanted to be back by 4 because her and her boyfriend, who gave her the promise ring, were going to a Christmas party that night, and she, like, wanted all this time to get ready, so they were, like, really expecting her to be back by 4 because, I guess, she made it very obvious that she wanted to be back by 4, which I can envision that because... I kind of say stuff like that all the time, like, I, I need to be back by this time, don't let exactly, me be late. Yeah. Um, so then around noon, the girls stopped to pick up a few items for Renee at this store called the Army-Navy store. I'm not sure what that is, yeah. but, you know, the 70s, I'm sure there were stores, you know, <laughs> different ones. Anyway, so they stopped there to briefly pick up, like, I guess Renee pre-ordered some stuff, so... I didn't know if that was a thing. I, that's okay. so weird. I thought that was funny, actually, because I was doing research, and I was like, huh, she pre-ordered. And I guess that's important, because, like, it means they weren't, like, browsing, but, like, they were able to pre-order. That just, you know. Like, how does that work? Do they see it in, like, a catalog and call in or something? I guess so. I guess that makes sense. I just, it's so weird, because pre-ordering is such a big deal nowadays, especially with the pandemic, and, mm-hmm. like, to think that this has been going on a lot longer than I thought it was. Yeah. Anyway, so they picked up her pre-ordered items, and then they went to the Seminary South Shopping Center. At 4 p.m., they had not returned home, so, like, I guess their families were starting to get concerned because of how clear Renee had made it that she wanted to be back. Mm -hmm. So at, like, 6 p.m., their families go to the mall to, like, look for them, I guess, thinking maybe they just, like, I don't know, lost track of time or something. So they, like, talked to the people at the mall, and it's, like, many people said that they, like, spotted the girls there at some point throughout the day. Which is not very descript, but it, like, pinpoints the fact that the girls actually did make it to the mall. Exactly. And, like, you gotta think about, like, they didn't have phones back then. Like, exactly. they could have, like, set call. a reminder to be like, I need to be home by now. Like, and their parents couldn't call them. Mm-hmm. So I guess that makes sense why the parents went there. And, like, it's good that people said they saw them throughout the day, because that really pinpoints where they went missing. Mm-hmm. But this part, this is where it gets a little strange to me. They found Rachel's car parked in the Sears upper-level parking lot. This is the... 1972 Oldsmobile 98, and they found it parked in the, like, parking lot, but there were shopping bags with gifts in the car, so... What? It's assumed that they, like, returned to the car, like, put stuff in the car, and then just didn't go anywhere? But you gotta think about, like, if they were abducted or something, like... 
That's just, like, that's weird. Yeah, because, okay, I mean, there's a couple w places where my mind goes when I hear this. So, first, it makes me think that they, like, got all their stuff, came back to the car, put it in the car, and, like, didn't make it into the car, or, like, were sitting in the parking lot in the car and someone abducted them from there, because mm -hmm. that's a really common, like, thing. Like, a lot of people go missing from parking lots like that. But also, it makes me wonder, like, do you ever, like, go shopping and then... If you have, if you're carrying around a lot of stuff, like, go back to the car, put stuff away, and yeah. then, like... I didn't think about that. Yeah, and also, sorry, I just, this just clicked. Um, I just was thinking, because, like, sometimes if I'm, like, with, like, my family, like, just my mom or just my dad will go back to the car and put stuff in the car if we have a lot of stuff, like, alone. Oh. And, like, what if that happened? Like, what if someone, they, like, split up or something? One of them put it back in the car, and then... Like, something happened to one of them from there, and then, like, she was, had to, like, lure them to somewhat where else? I don't know. That's so weird. Because I guess it's easier to, like, lure one more than three. Like, and we'll hear for, like, later in the witness statements more about this, but, like, it's just, now that you think about it, now that you're, like, talking about it, it's weird to think that someone was, like, Forced three girls at one time. Yeah, I thought that... I've always thought that was a little strange. That's a lot of people, like... Yeah, like, three girls, like, what's the chance of one of them running away or something? Mm-hmm. Okay, so, sorry we got into that theory a little bit. That just popped up out of nowhere. Um, so, it is assumed that they returned to the car at some point that afternoon because there were gifts in the car. Later that night, the girls are reported missing to the police, but since it, like... I guess it didn't seem pressing to them. They were declared runaways rather than, like, missing. I hate it when they do I that. I hate it when they do that. Like, why? I'd ra Wouldn't you rather have the mistake of reporting them missing than ha have the mistake of reporting them as runaways? Exactly. Like, I think that's honestly more lazy on the police department than anything because, like, maybe, like, if they report them as runaways, that means they have to do, like, more work or something or, like, report it to a higher level of, like... I think so. I don't so. know, but, like... They might have to report to the state or something, or yeah. just do more investigation. I don't know. We really trash on police in this. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I like, ACAB, seriously. Yeah. Um, so then the next day, this is really strange as well, Tommy Trilica, <laughs> I don't... Again, I don't know how to say this. So this is Rachel's husband. He receives a letter that's, like, supposedly written from Rachel. Do you want to talk about that a little bit more? Yes, I will talk about that. So, this letter was, like, it was kind of short. It was, like, a little tiny little envelope, and it was maybe, like, it wasn't even, like, a paragraph or anything. It could have been sent in a text if that was an option. Yeah. So, this is what it said. I know I'm going to catch it, but we had to get away. We're going to Houston. See you in about a week. The car is in Sears Upper Lot. Love, Rachel. Okay, so there's a couple things we should unpack about this. First of all, let's just talk about, like, the cryptic writing. Yeah. Like, I mean, what does that first line mean? I'm not, I know I'm gonna catch it, but we had to get away, like... Like, that doesn't make any sense. I don't know what that applies to. It also makes me think, like, say this is written by Rachel, even if on her own free will or not... She's saying something that clearly Tommy must have some past knowledge about if she's exactly. starting her sentence like that. Which, we'll talk about this more later. He always came off as suspicious to me. But, like, this letter seems very strange. Like, it's like she's mm -hmm. talking in reference to something that we don't know about. And then, like, a few of the details was the fact that it was actually written in Rachel's handwriting. Mm -hmm. Like, it wasn't, like, weird. It wasn't, like, newspaper cutouts or anything like that. It was literally written in her handwriting. 
But there were, like, little things, like, little inconsistencies that, like, the police found and, like, working with the family and friends they discovered. So, first of all, on the outside of the envelope, she addressed her husband as Thomas. Yeah, that's weird. Which but is, like, like, she never called him Thomas, I guess, I guess. But that's not that weird if she, like, sending a letter, I guess. Like, I mean, yeah. Okay, like, you wouldn't, if you were writing me a letter, you'd write Jillian. You wouldn't, like, call me a nickname. True. I guess that does make sense. But then also, like, she, it, they discovered that it was written in a very almost rushed manner. Like, it was messy, and they were like, she even spelled her own name wrong. Okay, that's weird to me, because I, I don't know if you're being, co- like, even if you're being coerced, if you're writing this on your own free will, if you're rushing, you don't spell your own name wrong. So that makes me think that someone, like, effed it up a little bit, and, like, didn't, test this properly and this is not her handwriting who misspells their name yeah i don't know and it was her last name too well i mean i mean i'd only been married for six months i would misspell writing that name too but that's just weird i don't know and there was like another thing it was like um yeah it was just like kind of messy and it was seemed to done in like a rushed manner and this honestly makes me think that someone was pressuring her to write it yeah well if it was, in fact, her handwriting, it's most likely not that she, like, wrote it on her own free will. Because it, she does say she's going to Houston, and, like, literally it's been 45 years that, like, she hasn't returned. So clearly this was not the case. So someone was definitely coercing her in writing this letter. Mm-hmm. And then also, I was thinking, if they ran away, why would she, why would they leave the car? Yeah, I, I don't... Yeah, because how would you run away with no car? Exactly. Like, you're, you don't literally run away. I don't know. Maybe they had some misconception about running away. Maybe they literally thought you, you ran. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, we're about to get into the suspects and the theories now. Um, we have to let you know before we start this, this is a kind of different than the rest of our cases, and the fact that there were not a lot of suspects and theories, like, available to us in our research. Exactly. Like, unlike the Black Dahlia, like the other ones, there was no... There wasn't as much clear-cut stuff. Like, I guess it was just not as investigated or something. But it kind of made it fun for us because we got to, like, take, like, little things we'd read on websites and stuff and kind of, like, form our own theories. Um, Like, we, like, literally got to investigate this case, which I thought was really enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, we're finally true to our name. Exactly. Okay, so let's get into the first theory. This is the potential runaway theory, which I guess is what the police thought because... They marked them as runaways. And they're stupid. <laughs> so the police, like like I said, they thought this because they got that letter that said that they were going to Houston. And so I guess that's just where their mind went. And then this letter was, as we said, written in Rachel's handwriting. And some of it didn't make sense, but I guess they just thought that she wrote this letter because they ran away. I, But also, if you wrote a letter, like, why, why would you run away if you were going to write a letter? I don't understand that. Yeah, I really, I really don't know. And we'll get into it in a second, but, like, why would three girls who barely freaking knew each other run away together? Yeah, that didn't make sense to me either, especially because they, like, I can understand maybe if the older two ran away, they were family friends, they knew mm-hmm. each other. Why would they take, like, this little nine-year-old with them? Who wasn't even supposed to come in the first place. Well, I can understand, I mean, she wasn't supposed to come in the first place, but, like, they didn't invite other people with them, so it wasn't like they were going to run away in that case. Exactly. And, like, even if they, they did have some crazy plan to run away, and then, like, their plans got crashed by a nine-year-old, wouldn't they just go another time? 
Was it, like, yeah, that why? inconvenient? And then also, why would you even bother going to the mall and buying Christmas presents if you weren't going to bring them or anything? Yeah, that's another good point. I don't... Because there were gifts in the car. Clearly they got stuff. Mm-hmm. And, okay, so then there's a couple other things about, like, why would a nine-year-old run away two days before Christmas? Like, with people she didn't know. Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, not in my right mind would I run away two days before Christmas when I was nine, especially. <laughs> Yeah, I just, that doesn't make sense. And also, as we said earlier, like, Renee was so dead set about being back by four because she wanted to go to that Christmas party. And, like, she, you know, her boyfriend gave her that promise ring. She wanted to go to the party. Why would she just, like, up and leave? Exactly. And this also makes me think, like, if they were all going to run away together, why didn't Renee also write, like, a letter or something? Yeah. Or, like, why did anyone write a letter if they were running away? Why didn't they take the car with them? This is what we said earlier. Did they literally run away? That doesn't that make sense. That is the one thing that makes literally freaking no sense to me. That and the letter, but, like, the car. If you're going to run away and go to Houston, which I'm, like, guessing is miles away. Yeah, I, I don't know. are you going to take, like, a bus? But you have a car right there. Yeah, I, why, I don't know. I, that theory is kind of bullshit to me. Yeah. So now let's get into the abduction theory. Of course, this is what... about that. You, like, said that, like, very joyfully. Well, the one thing is, it's just, it's more... It's more interesting and plausible. Yeah. Yeah. So there was, like, a specific witness report that was filed, and they claimed that they saw a man shoving three girls into a van? But, I mean, this was never further supported, and, of course, in the 70s, they didn't have, like, security cameras and stuff everywhere. So this guy was just kind of dismissed... And then he also, was a, like, like, mall security guard, though, right? Yeah. So, like, he is kind of credible. He's kind of credible, but at the same time... It was just, never like, confirmed. It was never confirmed, and it was never looked into further. And like we said earlier, how are you going to shove... How is one person going to shove three girls into a van? Yeah, that's, like, really hard. I don't care how, like, big and strong you are. You can't do that. And also, like, two of them aren't, like, little girls. One of them's 17. Exactly. And, like... I just feel like if they're in a van, like, he also, when he talks about his, like, in his witness report, he says that they, like, seem to be laughing and being happy, and, like, even if he confused this with just, like, no animosity, I guess, like, it kind of seems like if this is the case, they were in a car with someone they knew. Mm-hmm. And also, literally, like we've been saying this whole time, the car was there and the Christmas presents that they had bought were in the car. Yeah, so it really seems like they put the stuff in the car and then someone took them. Yeah, like, they didn't even get the chance to go into the car. Exactly. And since the runaway theory was just overall really weak, since there was no reason to, like, for them to run away in the first place, this seems pretty plausible. Like, Rachel had a husband and a stepdaughter. (laughs) Oh my god. We didn't even, we'll talk about this later because we'll go a little more in depth on her husband. This is weird. Like, she was married. She had a stepdaughter. Like, I I don't understand. And then Renee, her boyfriend had just given her a promise ring and she was going to a, like, Christmas party that she was excited about. Exactly. And, like, I mean, obviously this is all very superficial things, but, like, if people, like, multiple people are saying, like, all this stuff, like, clearly it's true and, like, they didn't want to be gone. They wanted mm-hmm. to be there. Yeah. And then, of course, the little girl probably doesn't even really know what running away is. Or at least in the serious sense that these older girls were 
would I guess. have done I knew what running away was when I was nine. Did you not go through a phase when you thought it'd be cool to run away? No, I totally did. No, remember, like, I remember watching, like, Ramona and Beezus. Do you remember she yes. ran away? I went through a phase. Anytime I was mad, I'd start packing a no, bag. No, I literally <laughs> did that, too. Like, I did that multiple times. Like, I would literally pack a bag, and I'd put, like, whipped cream and Oreos in it, <laughs> and then I would sit in my backyard for, like, two hours. <laughs> People don't have the childhoods that we did. I know. Now there's, like, TikTok and iPads. No one got to think that they could just run away because of Ramona and Beezus. (laughs) The most random movie. Oh, my God. And also, the letter, like, from Rachel could have been forcibly written, like I said earlier. And that could have meant that someone pressured her into writing it. So, like, it was rushed and super... It was, like, written very rushed. And also, like, her name, like, literally the same things I've been saying, and I said about the letter earlier. And then, this is super, super weird. This is so eerily similar to the Lion Sisters case. Yeah, because they, like, disappeared from a mall in the 70s with, like, no trace. Literally no trace. And, I mean, at least in the Lion Sisters case, it kind of got closure, but there's literally nothing on this. I know, it's just insane. And I was thinking at first when I picked this case and, like, kind of thought about it in connection with the Lion Sisters case, like, I just was like, why is this such a common thing, I guess? Mm -hmm. I, like, why have I, we now looked into two cases where multiple girls have gone missing from a mall at the same time? In the 70s. In the 70s. Well, I asked my mom, because I was like, oh my god, are people, our listeners, they're gonna think we're crazy because we picked two cases that are so similar (laughs) like this. And she was like, well, it kind of makes sense because, like, in the 70s, like, malls were, like, new and stuff. So, like, teenage girls, little girls, they're, like, going to the mall because it's cool and new. Yeah. And that's, like, a good place, I guess, for creeps to go to take people. And in the 70s, they had no phones, like, or at least handheld phone, like, mobile phones. They didn't really have security cameras. And people could vanish from malls literally without a trace, like. And it just hadn't been thought of because it was such a new thing. Mm-hmm. Alright, should we get a little bit into the suspects? Yes. Okay, we should probably mention, too, again, because there's, like, no really, like, in-depth suspects and theories for this case. We don't have, like, specific suspects tied with the theories, just people who we thought were suspicious and basically why we thought they were suspicious, and then, like, I guess... We literally made all of this up. Like, we pulled this theory (laughs) out of our asses, but it's just, you know, we're investigating. We're investigating. Okay, so first, I'm going to talk about Deborah, who was Rachel's sister. So she was two years older than Rachel, and she was 19 at the time of the disappearance. And she was previously engaged to Tommy. No. That's so weird. Rachel's husband at the time. Okay, that's, like, weird. And also, again, she was 19, and we haven't mentioned this, but Tommy was 21 at the time. So, like, she's even still younger than Tommy, so clearly he's, like, Pray, like, what, pray, praying? Praying, yeah. Praying on younger girls, and then also, like, two sisters? Like, that's weird. And, like, engaged is serious. That's not even, like, a fling, or, like, dating. Let's yeah. engage. That's, like, not to mention, he was married and divorced before this, and that's when he had his daughter. Exactly. And that's in, in addition to the engagement to her sister. Like, oh my god. It's just so crazy. This guy's so weird, honestly. So sus. Yeah, we should. We need to stick with the sister, though, one thing at a time. Yes, okay. <laughs> so, she lived with Rachel at the time. This is kind of weird. So, Deborah actually had asked Rachel to come live with her, right? 
No, Rachel had invited her sister to come live with her. Oh! So, other way around. Rachel had invited her sister to come live with her, which also I thought was weird because, like, I don't know, I guess To come live with her and her husband? I, wouldn't you be concerned about, like, her stealing your man back? Exactly! Which makes me, like, it's just, it's, that's really strange. Like, everyone, everything in this case is kind of colluded. Like, everything's kind of running together... And you're kind of inferring a lot of stuff since there's not much to go on. And these families are just so strange, though. And, like, yeah. it's weird to, like, I, this can't all be coincidental. Exactly. And so, she, like we said earlier, she was invited to go shopping with them that day, but she wanted to sleep in. Okay, also, that's, like, the lamest excuse ever. The literal lamest excuse. It was, like, noon when they went. Like... <sighs> Come up with something better. Who says you just like, want to... Like, be more creative. Be more creative. And, okay, we didn't talk about this earlier, but... Deborah and Rachel had a brother, right? Mm-hmm. And his name was Rusty. He was a lot younger. I think he was 11 at the time of the disappearance. Mm-hmm. And again, similar to the Lion Sisters case, when he grew up, he wanted to research and investigate his sister's disappearance to get some answers. And he honestly went a little bit cuckoo. Yeah, he, like, started working with this PI who was, like, really invested in the case, like, since their disappearance. I guess he knew it from the area. But, like, he had all these theories, and he basically, like, convinced Rusty of these theories and made him, like, turn on his sister. Mm-hmm. He even made, like, Deborah take polygraph tests. Yeah, like, Rusty cast so much shade on his sister that, like, she was forced to take these polygraph tests, and... She did fit, like, pass them, so I guess that's good. But also, like, polygraphs? Like, I don't, I don't trust polygraphs. And I mean, we've talked about this in other episodes. It's just, like, everyone reacts differently it's to stress. It's all behavioral. Literally, it's all behavioral. Like, you're, some people's hands are just sweaty. That's one of the things that happens. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just, I, like, she could also just be really calm under pressure or something. Or, like, psychopath. Yeah, she could be a psychopath, or she could not even be that involved. She could just know stuff and, like, be covering up for someone. Yeah. Alright, I'm going to talk a little bit more about Rachel's creepy husband. Um, Tommy Trilica? Tommy? I don't know. Anyway, so Tommy was 21, and he was married to a (sighs) 17-year-old. Creepy. He was previously engaged to Deborah, who was her sister, we just mentioned that. And he'd already been married and divorced by the time he was married to Rachel. And he had, like, a two-year-old daughter with his ex-wife. Like, that's a lot in a very... Like, this man has already grown up... Exactly. More than most people have in their lifetime within, like, the span of, what, two years? Yeah, I... Also, like, I'm curious to know, was he engaged with Deborah before or after he'd already been married? I'd assume it was after because if he had a two-year-old daughter already with his ex-wife I don't know wouldn't it make more sense for it to be after and then in that case wouldn't that be like back-to-back with his relationship with Rachel and that means it was probably back-to-back with Deborah and Rachel also well yeah that's what I'm saying oh yeah like what like they're all back-to-back-to-back-to-back and like what if he like was engaged to Deborah and then he fell in love with Rachel or something and like that's how they met Ugh. Anyway, this guy's very strange. Um, so he received this letter, but 
I honestly think it could have been, like, sent to himself, and, like, he purposely messed up a couple things to, like, make him seem suspicious, Yeah. But honestly, it just made the letter weirder. And, I mean, he knew Rachel. Like, I can kind of... You can kind of mimic other people's yeah, handwriting you if you, you know really well try. Enough. Not to mention, if you look at this letter, it's, like, messy cursive. Mm-hmm. It's not, like, very distinctive. Exactly, and also, like, I mean... I don't know if I can mimic all my friends' handwriting because I don't see them write that much, but it was the 70s, not as many people were, like, typing, Mm -hmm. so people were probably writing more and you were probably more familiar with their handwriting. Yeah. Or if you had a letter already, like... He could just copy all the uh letters. Or force her to write it and, like, told her to mess up a couple things. Yeah. You know, it's just weird. Or what if he told her, like, to write it before anything even happened to her? Oh. Like, it's weird, right? It's just, yeah. Um, anyway, so then, we also mentioned earlier that the girls were seen by a security guard at the mall around 11.30pm that night in, like, some sort of van with a male driver, and it's kind of weird how they describe this. They're described as, like, all sitting in the front seat of this van, like, which is weird. squished next to each other, and, but, like, they said that they were, like, laughing and they were talking and smiling with the driver as, like, if they knew them. Oh. Which, again, makes me think, like, who's, like, an adult in this case who's not, like, he's, like, the only creepy adult male in this case. That they're all somewhat familiar with. Exactly. Like, on, like, Rachel knew him because she was married to him. Renee, that's her friend's husband. And then Julianne, like, she was nine. If this guy was, like, charming in any way, or... Exactly, like, older girls can talk to older people with no problem. And if the older girl seemed to know him, I'm sure she'd feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just... That could clearly be a comfortable situation for them to, like, be lured into. Yeah. Unfortunately, that story was, like, never officially confirmed, so we can't, like, say that for sure. Or, like, even that that story officially happened, which kind of bothers me. Yeah, but, I mean... I feel like there's some form of truth to it because it was a mall security yeah. guard. Like, why would you lie about that? That's just oddly specific, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, okay, so I kind of think theory-wise for this suspect that he could have been working with Deborah because it was, like, maybe in some sort of thing against Rachel. Maybe Deborah moved back in. It, like, they started, like, a relationship again behind her back. Oh, like, maybe he still had feelings for her and she also shared those feelings. Yeah, and he, they just needed to get rid of Rachel. And, like, maybe that's why Deborah was so suspicious. Maybe she didn't actually do anything, but she planned it or she knew about it. Yeah, and maybe they, like, this sister didn't really know that they were going to invite the little kid. Yeah, maybe. So maybe she was just thinking, like, oh, we're just going to get rid of Renee and Rachel, and she didn't necessarily think that there was going to be another kid there. And she had, like, last-minute doubts about it or something. And yeah. Like, I don't know. This is such a strange case. I, like... There's nothing here, and I feel weird about it, because we've just come up with our own theories. But, again, it was really interesting, and a really interesting case, and I just, it's kind of sad. Yeah, it's it is so really long, sad. And, like, all their family members, for the most part, have passed away, and it's a very sad case. But, thanks for listening to the episode about the Fort Worth Missing Trio. See you guys next week!